0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to the DFS MVP podcast. I'm your host, TJ Hernandez, the director of DFS at 444.com. As always, with my co-host, Matt Savoka. Welcome to the seventh season of the DFS MVP, week eight, episode 173. If you are new to the DFS MVP podcast, each week, we will touch on a few of our favorite values, our core plays from the main slate for both FanDuel and DraftKings. We'll follow that up with the theory segment to try to get you better at DFS. This week, we're going to be talking about implementing the late swap on the main slate. Before we get into it, make sure you're checking out our other DFS MVP shows every Monday at 11 a.m. Pacific time, 2 p.m. Eastern time. Matt and myself go over our cash lineups from FanDuel and DraftKings. That's here on YouTube every Saturday. Every Saturday. We do a DFS, uh, Yahoo DFS uh, value show. That's myself and Matt Harmon from Yahoo Fantasy. You could find that on the DFS MVP podcast feed as well as the Yahoo Fantasy podcast feed every Saturday. And then Sunday mornings, GPP last look with Jordan Vanek. That's Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern time. That's only on the 4 for 4 subscriber discord. So make sure you get signed up for that. There's a link right below here if you're watching on YouTube. And if you haven't signed up for that yet to get access to the discord, it's our Halloween sale today through Sunday access to the site for as little as $9. The DFS subscription is only $24. So it's about as cheap as you're going to get access to DFS, the tools, the content, uh, everything available there, projections. So make sure you get signed up for that right away. Head over to 444.com. Only 24 bucks for DFS. And today the DFS MVP is brought to you by Super Draft Fantasy, the official fantasy partner of Caesars Rewards. DFS MVP listeners, you can get an instant $20 deposit match with your first deposit by using the promo code 444. That's the number four F-O-R, the number four at registration. Get in now to play Super 15. It's a game that everybody has seen in memes, but nobody could play until now. You'll recognize it as soon as you see it, and for the first time, you'll be able to win money playing it. Use the code 444 on the Super Draft app. Get your instant $20 deposit match. Try it out for yourself, and anyone who deposits at least $10 if you're a new Super Draft user can get a free DFS subscription. Go to 444.com superdraft Super for details on that. Matt, welcome to week eight, my friend. Hey,
1: what's up, TJ? Thrilled to be here. You know, I kind of jinxed it for us Uh-oh. because Uh-oh. I, I, I wrote in my cash game article this week that we don't really have a free square <laughs> running back this week yeah. that we typically have around week yes. eight of the regular season. And then boom, one of the top running backs of the year so far. Hits the injury report yeah. uh, after a bye week two Austin Eckler. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about that a little bit, but we got a ton of great games to dig into excited to get into it.
0: Yeah, let's let's jump right in uh, starting with quarterbacks uh, guy. We've talked about a couple of times on this show. Who is your main value play at quarterback this week?
1: Yeah, I can't believe we're not saying Lamar Jackson because it's yeah. A guy. <laughs> and yeah. we're not saying Jalen hurts. We no, did because it. he we're...
0: might get benched.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're branching out. <laughs> yeah. We're diversifying to yeah. the other 8,000-plus salary on FanDuel, I should say, quarterbacks that look like smash plays as well. I'm going to talk about the Rams, Matthew Stafford. Mm -hmm. I mean, going against the Houston Texans, this is an obvious smash spot. Mm -hmm. But does 8.5 yards per attempt and 35 passes a game interest anyone? Because that does for me. I mean, the guy is just on fire. He's actually had over 9 yards per attempt in two of his last three games. The Texans ranked 25th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing offenses, and they're the 11th worst, or excuse me, to quarterbacks specifically, and they're the 11th worst overall to opposing offenses. Looking at floor and ceiling projections, you really can't do better, especially when you salary adjust things this week. The fourth best floor and the fourth best ceiling for a player who is, you know, doesn't have a lot of rushing upside, but all the other boxes they check off, QB three in deep passes, QB3 in red zone pass attempts. Second in passing TDs so far. They're passing at the 1-yard line to Cooper <laughs> yeah, Cup.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, and he's quarterback 2 in adjusted yards per attempt, too. So on top of all that volume, he's having a fantastically efficient season. I don't have to tell you that the Rams offense looks otherworldly right now, but it's really the same ceiling as you can get for usually 300, 400, 500 more expensive on both sides at a reduced salary, especially on FanDuel. I love it.
0: Yep. It's uh it's very, uh, 2020 Packers esque the way that they're throwing, um, inside the red zone, especially near the goal line. And, uh, one thing that I mentioned on another show earlier this week, a stat that I like to look at a lot is fantasy points per snap, because we like quarterback efficiency, um, and, and fantasy points per snap encompasses rushing. And a lot of times that's a metric that all of the rushing quarterbacks are near the top of of, of that number and, and any other quarterback could. Just you have to be throwing crazy amounts of touchdowns to even come close. Well, Matthew Stafford doesn't run and he's tied for the most fantasy points per snap. So you aren't getting much more efficient than Stafford right now. Uh, So I'm loving that call. And then I'm going to the other smash spot, Josh Allen. 8,800 on Fandle, 8,100 on DraftKings against the Dolphins. The Bills are favored by 14. They have an implied point total over 31 points. Uh, Allen, probably not surprising to, despite the high price tag, a top three value on both sides at four for four. Uh, I mean, there, there are, um, you know, there, there's a couple of men price, not not men price guys, but uh, possible close to men price, especially at tight end, um, maybe at running back and at defense that can make you fit in Allen. Uh and and we might not be paying all the way up for some spots this week because all the best players are really expensive. So I, I think you can afford to pay up for Allen in almost any format. Miami ranks outside the top 20 in schedule adjusted points to opposing quarterbacks. Uh the the Bills are fourth in neutral passing rate, Miami face facing the seventh highest neutral passing rate of any defense. And I want quarterbacks that are going to account for as much offense as possible. Josh Allen is one of seven quarterbacks that has at least 75% of his team's total yards and at least 75% of their offensive touchdowns as always going to give you enough on the ground to give you like at least a touchdown worth a passing touchdown worth the value uh, 36 yards per game on the ground scoring a touchdown every three games. So uh, that's going to be uh, plenty good with, with uh, the potential blow up spot this week.
1: Oh, it's so good here. And when you yeah. talk about probability to hit the 300-yard bonus, our mm-hmm. two quarterback picks are probably right there at the yeah. top of the pile. But with Allen, you're talking about number one in the NFL amongst quarterbacks in red zone carries per game. And yeah. actually only number six amongst quarterbacks in red zone touchdowns. Oh, excuse me, rushing touchdowns. So there's actually some positive regression on the rushing side that you could see. They, they are not going away from him at the goal line anytime soon.
0: Yeah, let's uh let's let's keep it moving on to running backs as you mentioned up top. Uh Austin Eckler is a player that popped up on the injury report. Um coming off the bye week, did not practice Thursday, did not practice Friday. Uh we aren't we're recording this Friday obviously if you're listening um on the audio version. We we're obviously not sure what's going to happen. Um and this could be a potential free square spot. Um, Larry Roundtree was inactive a couple weeks ago before their buy, but he's seen about 70% of the backfield share on the season. But in that game, he was inactive. It was Joshua Kelly who saw a 25% backfield share. So Austin Eckler like wasn't kid. He had one or two games where he was like above 80%, but then he's been near that 60, 65% backfield share mark that we've kind of got used to. Kelly's 5100 on FanDuel $4,000 on DraftKings. I think he is the player that people will be talking about if Eckler is out. Um, the Chargers are favorites. Uh, New England is 19th against running backs in schedule-adjusted points. But the Chargers are first in neutral passing rate. They have a lot of good cornerback matchups. Uh, if Eckler's out, what are you doing with this team? Is And I guess the question basically is, Is Kelly a real free square, or is he um, not an automatic play for you?
1: Well, I'm going to give myself till Sunday to truly decide. Right, sure, sure. But right off the bat, the answer is really no. My gut feeling is no. My initial adjustment here is that we probably see the Austin Eckler role turn Mm -hmm. into a three-man committee here, and I'm not really sure if I want to be able to guess two things right, that the Chargers don't move away from their running backs – at all. They use the, they utilize running backs the same way. And I guess the right player. And so I feel like I'm guessing game script and I'm guessing the player now. And so I I don't know if I'm going to go there. I wrote in the notes here that I'm really giving a boost to Keenan Allen, who is already Mm -hmm. a positive regression candidate. Uh, if you look at a lot of our metrics here, you know, in terms of air yards and targets, he should just have more production overall. And those short area targets need to go somewhere. One thing I will say is that josh kelly is a total i get it play like if you decide that i'm going there because it helps you get to the premium salary of players which is always great especially in cash games and in schedule adjusted fantasy points as you mentioned while the patriots are right around league average in uh, against opposing offenses the way to beat them was with running backs previously so i do wonder if they create some sort of Hybrid role. I would think Justin Jackson maybe actually gets mm. that while Joshua Kelly gets a majority of the running back carries. But I don't know if any of them are really going to be valuable enough that we can trust them in a in a cash game environment. Maybe in a tournaments we take some shots because the Chargers offense is that good this season. But to me, Keenan Allen gets the biggest boost.
0: Yeah, I, I actually thought about this last night when I was watching the Packers game before we even really got news of this because I I was just thinking about um when we when we figured out that when we found out that Devontae Adams and um and Alan Lazard were out, we everyone kind of scrambled to like who's going to get the targets, who will be who are we bumping up. And then on the first drive, including the penalty, they gave Aaron Jones four of the first four touches. And it was kind of like a light bulb click, like, oh, they're you they don't have to like give other receivers targets, they can just give their next best player more work, right? So it's kind of a similar situation. If Eckler's going to be out, they don't have to give these running backs, one of the running backs, all of Eckler's touches. They can just use their, their best players. They can use Mike Williams and Keenan Allen the most. So that actually makes more sense to me. But if, if we get like a tomorrow, we get a Eckler's definitely not playing and we get we're giving Josh Kelly. You know he's going to get 20 touches if we get one of those coach speak words, and and we're comfortable with him um, right now. It's really hard to jam any of the expensive guys in, especially on DraftKings. Who are you prioritizing? Let's call it out of Cup and Henry. Um, if if we get the free square, I think I'm going Cooper Cup.
1: I yeah, mean I think it's so. lower salary and he's a higher value play on FanDuel. I this is. Crazy to me, Mm -hmm. and obviously Derrick Henry has the number one slate-breaking ability compared to everyone else, but I don't know how you get away from Cup. We already talked about how good Stafford looks this week against the Texans, Mm -hmm. if I'm able to get there, I'm absolutely going towards Cooper Cup this week.
0: Yeah, on, and, you know, on one dra- thing
1: I want to add, sorry, uh, to this Los Angeles and New England situation, if you believe that narrative where the Patriots defense does their best to take away that number one option, mm-hmm. it's a little late in the week, and I think they probably spent most of the week preparing for Austin Eckler to be that number one option point. they try yeah. to take away. So that game plan where they usually try to lock down whatever the team likes to do the most, they'll have less time to implement it this week than usual.
0: Yeah, that, that's a good point. On on DraftKings Cups, $100 more than Henry, um, but I think it's still Cup. All right, let's move into our normal value plays. Uh, again, we just kind of got that news before we recorded, so wanted to touch on it, but who is your guy? I think this guy's the most uh, underpriced on both sites um, this week.
1: Yeah, we have probably heard the phrase or said it here on this show, fundamentally mispriced, and it's just yeah. such low salary access to 20 plus opportunities can I interest you in seven plus of those opportunities being targets because yeah, that's what yeah. you get with DeAndre Swift especially in whole PPR formats in draft on DraftKings where he's just 7100 this guy has been overcoming negative game scripts all season which just is uh you know speaking to his talent level and could he actually be in a positive game script or a competitive game against the Philadelphia Eagles this week if there was ever a week for an Owen seven team to have a shot to be in a competitive game script all game long, it's this week against the Eagles. He's had five plus targets in every single game. This season, the Eagles are a running back funnel defense. If you look at you're comparing the receiver fan, adjusted fantasy points allowed to the running back fantasy points allowed, they look like one of the biggest running funnel teams in the league. And they're within 10 adjusted fantasy points of league average, which means we're not adjusting really any expectations or projections based on the defense here. So we just look at the usage, running back one in routes run, one running back one in receptions, and running back eight on the 0-7 Lions in touchdowns. Super impressive.
0: Yep, uh a spe I mean at seventy one hundred he's cheap on both sides, but seventy one hundred on DraftKings is just crazy, crazy low. Um, considering how much of, of the passing work he gets in that offense. So Swift is is pretty much the like he's probably my number one lock in cash this week because I think you could kind of go a couple other ways, like our of both of our quarterbacks, I think are viable. Most of our other plays, you can um, you can kind of mix and match, but I'm I'm pretty much locking him in more than any other player this week. My guy is is a player that I was on last week and underperformed, and that's why his salary hasn't moved. Actually, dipped a little bit on DK. That's Daryl Henderson at 7,700 on uh, Fanduel, 6,500 on DraftKings at Houston as a 15 point favorite. Uh, I mean, if if he scores one touchdown last week, he's probably um, 82 8300 this week probably over 7k on, on DraftKings King's this week like it's not like his usage changed at all he just didn't score a touchdown didn't get a 100 yard um bonus but his his he's the primary back, but with no question, he's one of six running backs with at least 75% of his uh, backfields touches over the last month. He's top 10 in red zone targets among running backs. He's the only running back with multiple end zone targets. I think think they missed him on an end zone target last week. So, I mean, even though, like you mentioned, they're throwing so much in the red zone inside the 10 yard line, he's still involved in that. Um, And on top of that, the Texans uh, have allowed the fifth most rushing touchdowns to opposing running back. So Henderson is another guy, like you said, fundamentally mispriced. That salary just doesn't match up with how they're using him, how much usage he's getting. And, uh, I mean, to, to overreact to one game under 10 points when going into the week, he was the only running back that includes Derek Henry. He was the only running back with at least 15 DraftKings points in every single game, uh, this year. So I love him. I, I think you can play, you probably can't play him and cup together because cup is so expensive, but it's actually kind of close, especially if we do get the free square. I, I talked about it on our cash review show on Monday that this offense is so concentrated and I, I played Henderson and cup together in cash and cup goes for 40 and Henderson goes for nine, but that's almost Who like cares? exactly <laughs> you're if they're combining for 50 points you don't care if one gets 25 and the other gets 25 like you're you're kind of ensuring that you get all of their points somehow right so i'm fine playing um playing multiple rams in, in cash games especially if one of them uh is henderson um let's move on to wide receivers i talked about josh allen a quarterback you like one of his pass catchers
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And I don't just like this one pass catcher, by the way. They're all yeah. good values, yeah. but especially on FanDuel, I don't know how you get get away from Stefan Diggs. Yeah. On DraftKings, he has a modest salary, but I still love it. He's the fourth best value on that site as well. I mean, the Miami's just one of the worst defenses in the league right now. Fourth worst in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing offenses, and they've been terrible. The last three weeks, bottom three in yards allowed per pass attempt and 31st in points allowed per play. Meanwhile, Diggs is wide receiver seven in targets per route run and wide receiver 19 on top of that huge volume in yards per route run. So yes, while the efficiency has fallen off and the volume just a little bit from last year, that's really just speaking to the quality of the Buffalo offense more so than a dip in Diggs' play here. Diggs is fourth in the nfl in red zone targets but he only has two touchdowns so you could say he's just a general positive regression candidate in that regard and the bills are creeping up back to just overall high pass rates you mentioned their neutral pass play rate we just want to see them passing all the time like they yeah. did last year they're up to top 10 in pass plays per game i think he's safe even in an onslaught game script because of that passing rate of the team and yes while Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley look good. This is still the king of the passing attack with Dawson Knox. It just gets more concentrated and makes Diggs an even better play.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean the, the, the usage that he's seen is on par with almost, um, any other receiver in the league. And, and he just hasn't been scoring a, uh, a lot of touchdowns, but I mean the, the Dawson Knox being out news, I think is, uh, I, again going back to like it doesn't just mean it gets allocated evenly i think it just kind of ups the the touchdown equity is specifically of Diggs and manny sanders so i like Diggs here and going back to that price on fandle 7300 i would i do a, a, a lineup builder show with joe hulk on his channel and we were building a lineup and and I built my main lineup without Cooper cup for GPPs. And it was because you like, usually Fandals like fit in your studs and then build values around them. But it's like, who are your top guys? But this, this week, there are so many players that are just mispriced by like 500 to a thousand dollars that are in that Stefan Diggs 7,300 range. And it's like, if you get to cup, you have to pay down and not take advantage of these huge, huge values. So, Guys like D- Diggs, guys like DeAndre Swift, guys like Chuba Hubbard, they're just so cheap on Fanduel compared to what they should be that I'm kind of loading up on, on players like Diggs. But yeah, that, that 7,300 tag is, is way too low um, for this spot. And you talked about a pass-heavy offense. One of the most pass-heavy offenses in the league uh, is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They have Antonio Brown out again. It looks like Gronk is going to return, but even with Gronk back, Chris Godwin at seventy-two hundred on FanDuel, right next to that, uh, Diggs salary, and then sixty-four hundred on DraftKings against New Orleans. Uh, it, yeah, it's that. That's crazy cheap. I mean, think about who we just talked about. We got Diggs. He's they're basically the same price on FanDuel and Diggs is all the way up at 8,100 on DraftKings and Godwin is all the way down 6400 6,400 um, on DraftKings. Like The, the gap between get DraftKings salaries when they're the same basically on FanDuel um, points out like obviously one of them is really mispriced somewhere, right? So uh, Chris Godwin um, with Mike Evans, I, I mentioned AB out. Mike Evans probably going to get – not probably, definitely going to get the Marshawn Lattimore treatment and I mean – they only have two games with Brady under their belt against Lattimore. Um, but, I, I mean, I, I I actually like Evans and GPPs because I think people are going to lean into the, the Lattimore narrative so hard. But Lattimore has played good against them in their career, So I, I think the safer route is Godwin. It makes Godwin the better value. Godwin's target share has been through the roof, even though Evans is the one that scored all the touchdowns last week. Um, 25% target share for Godwin in two of the last three games. We saw him get 28% last week with a forty uh percent air yard share. Tampa Bay tied with the highest neutral passing rate in the league, and if we look at pass rate over expectation, which Sam Hoppen looks at in Hop into Conclusions article on four for four, he is above average in um, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers above average in pass rate over expectations and basically every situation. Like if they're neutral passing rate, we know that, but even when they're up big, they're throwing at a huge rate. So uh, I'm I think Codwin can he might have 12 targets uh, this week, 12 13 targets again against a saints defense. That's 28th in schedule adjusted fantasy points.
1: Yeah. Love it. And one of the stats I looked at cumulative expected fantasy points for all flex players. No surprise. Tampa Bay. Number one would a large piece of the largest pie interest you (laughs) because that's what Chris Godwin is. I I love the Evans and GPP calls too. Yeah. I'm with you.
0: Who else are you looking at uh, for wide receiver this week?
1: Yeah, this is too easy here. We got to play as many skill position players on the Cincinnati Bengals going up against the New York Jets, who are basically, uh, you know, an SEC plus team at this point <laughs> in the season. Uh, and one of the things I'm noticing, too, is that while Jamar Chase is having an incredible rookie year, and I don't want to take anything away from him, and he's not a bad play in his own right in any format, I noticed T Higgins here at a higher target share over the last three weeks and overall this season and neck and neck with chase in Yard share uh, in our expected fantasy points metric that we use for our four for four breakout receiver model t higgins is not only popping on the model but chase and higgins are neck and neck in expected fantasy points per game over the three week span that i'm talking about here I mean he's wide receiver eight in total target share right now and wide receiver 10 in targets per route run this is an elite wide receiver he just happens to be a wide receiver two on his own team and he hasn't been efficient this year if you look at yards per route run or yards per target he's outside the top 50 wide receivers but the jets defense tends to be a cure-all for these types of problems here cincinnati's offense has been leading the team in fan leading the league in fantasy points over expected cumulatively and that's a credit to burrow's play you got to assume eventually that efficiency moves over to higgins i think he's a huge positive reg- regression candidate especially with the jets bottom 10 in points per play allowed and well below average in yards allowed per pass attempt, and even better second worst in adjusted fantasy points allowed opposing offenses
0: i i think um higgins is definitely in in my cash game pool i, I wrote him up for DraftKings, but i think the average gpp user um, that doesn't subscribe to a site like four for four is going to click on the FanDuel DraftKings. They're going to remember what the Ravens, uh what the, the Bengals did against the Ravens last week. And they're going to look at Joe Joe Burrow and they're gonna look at Jamar Chase. And they're not even gonna think about T Higgins because Jamar Chase is going to be um you know the player that they recognize that's been doing all the fantasy scoring. So I think this is um, a very classic opportunity for people that are doing their homework to pounce on a player that's seen a um a ton of very valuable Opportunity in his passing game. I'm going to go. You mentioned we didn't really have a free square, and this is why this guy um, kind of popped in in my initial run on on players that I'm going to be looking at because it's really hard to find salary relief this week. And if we don't get that free square, it's going to be really hard to get up to Cooper Cup, and a lot of players might be playing Josh Allen over Matthew Stafford. So I'm going to another Ram in uh, this week. That's Van Jefferson at 5,700 on Fandle, 3,900 on DraftKings. Uh, I, I think he's probably not, I think he he will be the lowest rostered Ram of the group. If we look at, um, uh, cup Henderson Stafford. And then I think even if people try to get unique, they'll probably go Higbee or woods before they go van Jefferson, but in a close game last week, remember the Lions kept it close against, uh, against Los Angeles last week, we saw van Jefferson see a season high in snaps and a season high in target share, 94% of their snaps, 17% of their targets And he's the only player on the Rams besides Deshaun with an average depth of target of at least ten yards. Uh, The Rams they throw at the their average depth of target on throws is the fifth highest in the league. And the way to attack Houston is the deep ball. Houston hasn't faced a ton of deep attempts, but that's because teams are just connecting on all of them and scoring on a lot of them, so they don't have to throw deep that much. Houston is last in fantasy points per pass attempt on throws of 15 plus air yards. Uh, Mike Wallert highlights Desmond King as one of the worst cornerbacks, one of the best cornerbacks matchups, one of the worst cornerbacks in the league. He's allowing the most yards per target. Uh, he lines up primarily on the right side, on, on the Rams right side, which is where Jefferson runs uh, a lot of his routes. So they'll move their receivers around a bunch, but uh, all their receivers are going to get to pick on King a little bit. And I, I think Jefferson can definitely uh, pop for one, maybe even two in this one.
1: Oh, we're finally digging into the wide receiver cornerback matchups.
0: Yeah, Classic. yeah. We, no, this yeah, one this one sounds
1: really, really database. I'm not making fun of that take at all. <laughs> and also, I kind of like the fact that publicly, Deshaun Jackson has now asked for a trade. And I think that has to do with the fact that he can't get on the field because they want to make Van Jefferson a thing. So I mm-hmm. really like that call. That's our third Ram we've recommended already. They're in a great, great spot.
0: Yeah, I mean, in in these weeks where we have the – we got the Rams and the Bills and we don't have a a linear um, tier or a linear like – implied point total tiers we have these two teams near 32 and then a big drop off all the way down right. to 27 with the chargers and and the the bucks so uh, don't get caught in the trap of like oh well the chargers and bucks have the third highest implied point total so you know they should have like the third highest ownership pretty close now the the tier break is huge so it makes sense that we should be loading up on players from uh those two offenses the rams and the bills moving on to tight end Uh, A guy I used a bunch last week, and I think I'll be using again this week. Who do you like?
1: Oh, man. Come on, Dallas Goddard. Let's go Philadelphia offense. Jalen Hurts, you need to throw more than five targets to Dallas Goddard. It's that simple. And, you know, we've got some narrative-based things here where uh, Devonta Smith may not miss, but he's been dealing with headaches, which can absolutely linger. And for Dallas Goddard, we finally started to see that role we knew he could take on Mm with Zach Ertz out of the picture a season high 91% snap share last week and a season high 103 air yards last week again only on those five targets so I think there's even room to grow here Mm -hmm. his route participation rate isn't as high as I would like it to see I think it continues to climb and one of the things that I looked at I looked at our expected fantasy points model from uh for the breakout receiver model Going into the week prior to the Ertz trade, the combined expected fantasy points for Ertz and Goddard was 15.4 half PPR points. That equaled the tight end one overall, higher than Kyle Pitts, which is who's currently leading over the last three weeks span in 14.6 expected fantasy points per game. There should be so much valuable usage. For Goddard in this offense and then you talk about the fantastic matchup Detroit last in yards per pass attempt allowed last in points allowed per play and yeah Jalen Hurts once upon a time believe it or not passed for 300 yards so maybe we see a a bounce back game before the Philadelphia media starts clamoring for Gardner Minshew snaps here and maybe as well this is a bit of a narrative take maybe the fact that Miles Sanders moves to IR and there's no clear running back one just sort of removes the obligation from that, from the offense to just really feature a running back and pass mm-hmm. like they wanted to, to start the season.
0: Yeah. Very similar to, to what we talked about with Eckler, but uh, maybe emphasized even more because if they're starting running back, couldn't get anything going, where are the two two backups going to do good in an offense that hasn't produced much opportunity or, or useful opportunity for their running back. Some people might look at the, some of the lions raw, um, uh, fantasy points allowed to, to like quarterbacks or something. and think they're not that bad middle of the pack, but they haven't faced that many passes because teams have been ahead uh, so much against them. But as you mentioned, if you look at pretty much any efficiency metric, they're at or near the bottom of the league um, in terms of, of fantasy points allowed to pretty much every um, position. I'm going with a true pump play at tight end this week. Um, you mentioned Kyle Pitts, who I think is a fantastic play because he's kind of a cheat code right now. He's a wide receiver. But uh, again, as I mentioned before, the the Eckler news, we didn't really have a salary saver. So I've really been looking for those this week. And Dan Arnold, 4,900 Fandle, 2,800 on DraftKings against Seattle. Uh, we have the, the reason I, I am very willing to punt tight end this week. Five of the top seven tight ends in terms of fantasy points per game are off the main slate. So if you're not, playing Kyle Pitts, like you might as well go all the way down. Gasecki against the Bills, I think, is only a tournament play. I mean, the Bills' defense is so good, which we'll get to shortly. But Dan Arnold, um, since going over to Jacksonville, he has five targets in each of his last two games. He's in his two games before the bye, 12th in routes run among all tight ends. Seattle is bottom five in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Uh, Tim Talmadge, in his write up today, called Arnold a poor man's Dalton Schultz, which I really liked. I think that's a really good comparison. And uh, Dan Arnold, I, I actually love. Dan Arnold on FanDuel in tournaments. He, I think, he's a very good DraftKings play um in, in all formats, but I, I love punting tight end on DraftKings when I can in cash games, but I think he'll be contrarian on Fandle, especially if Joshua Kelly ends up being a thing because you just don't have, to, you almost never have to go below $5,000 on Fandle for tight end um, because the salaries are, are, are loose enough. We already talked about some players in that middle tier. So I don't think people are going to go this far down for tight end um, on Fanduel, So if you're somebody that plays multiple sites and you think he's going to be popular on DraftKings, you might accidentally think he's going to be popular on Fanduel. But we kind of saw this last year. There was a week where Trey Burton was like just this random, super cheap tight end uh, for the Colts on DraftKings. And he was like, I, th- I think he was like 40% in cash games, like 15% in the Millie maker but he was in the winning lineup on FanDuel and he was only like 2% there for the same reasons we have here. You just never, you don't need to go that far down. And I think he only scored like nine FanDuel points or something. I don't have the number in front of me. I was too lazy to look it up, which I should have. But he, I mean, the, the point is like if no one else is going to go down to punt tight end on FanDuel and, and he just has an okay, good game, it could still be unique enough to, to get you to the top of leaderboard. So uh, Dan Arnold, a, a good punt here for me.
1: Yeah, I like that call, especially because that game against Seattle has my favorite kind of sneaky shootout upside. Two defenses that can't get out of their own ways. And so two bad offenses know. find a way to stay on the oh, field no. and score. I don't
0: I don't have to start Gino and redraft, do I?
1: No, oh gosh. No, <laughs> you probably don't, but <laughs> it could be one of those games for Gino. I Ugh. I see it.
0: Uh all right, let's move on to defenses. Uh I, I like this one because I like the mini stack with their running back. Are you looking at
1: yeah we gotta go with the there's really three defenses that look supreme in both sites here and we're gonna touch on two of them but the Cincinnati Bengals are playing against the Jets who have announced that they're starting Mike White at quarterback and I I don't know who Mike White is I I literally had to look up who is Mike White this week because He's a I think he was the Raiders.
0: I think he was the Raiders head coach in 1994 and
1: 1995. <laughs> right, that sounds about right because he was a compensatory fifth-round pick out of Western Kentucky. Uh, so in case you didn't watch him on Saturdays, that's why. And yeah. we got to we got to look at the, you know, these stats are pretty poor. He was 22nd percentile in college QBR on PlayerProfiler.com. 29th percentile breakout age, a 12th percentile Spark X score. So we're not concerned about the athleticism or any scrambling outside of the pocket from Mike White. Okay, so the Jets were already last in the NFL in points scored per play. They were 28th in yards per pass attempt, and they were 29th in yards per carry. And by the way, they're dead last as in easiest in adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing defenses. So right there, we're playing the Cincinnati Bengals, but the fact that they're so beat up and now Corey Davis is out on the outside, I don't know how you move away from the Bengals except for the fact that there might be an as good play this weekend. Uh I can't believe it, but their ownership, the Bengals, is actually kind of modest because your value play might be even better.
0: Yeah, the, the Bengals are favored by 10, but we have two teams favored by at least 14 points. One of those teams is the Buffalo Bills, 4,700 on FanDuel. And I had to talk about this because they're only 3,300 on DraftKings against the Dolphins. Um, they're very similar to what we had with the Cardinals at 3,100 last week, right? Like DraftKings is basically just begging you to play the Bills and they're viable on FanDuel. You can afford a $4,700 defense, like not easily, but um, you you definitely can, but Thirty-three hundred dollars for a defense that is top three in schedule-adjusted fantasy points against every position. I, I don't think I've ever seen that on four for four. I've I've seen top ten, and I always kind of remember because it's it's pretty rare to have a team that's top ten against every um, position. So to have one that's top three against every position is why I'm I'm just kind of not even on. Dolphins bring backs, even in, in, in Bill stacks. Cause I think the bills can just dominate. I think it's okay to play uh, the bills defense with, um, with Stefan Diggs or, or Josh Allen. I've actually seen quite a few tournament winners this year play a wide receiver with their team defense. We actually saw it last week with the Buccaneers. Uh, so, And it kind of makes sense, right? If if a team's blowing out the other team, you think, oh, well, that fits into the running back game flow. But it also means that their offense probably had a really good uh, chance to get their defense to a, a good game script. So that could be the pass game. So it, it makes sense. But Bill's top 10 in adjusted sack rate. Miami is 22nd in schedule adjusted points allowed to opposing defenses. And this is a small sample here, but for take it for what it's worth, Tua does have a 12% interception rate under pressure this year. And he has the second worst IQR. That's the Sports Info Solutions, um, equivalent to quarterback rating uh, behind oh, sorry, third worst behind only Geno Smith and Justin Fields. Uh, third worst rating under pressure. So I think those are gonna get pressure on him. Tua obviously looks like he's Playing better um, as we progress through the year, but when he's been pressured, it's been really ugly this year. Uh, before we move on, WinBet is bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting. Get in on all of your favorite teams, players, and sports. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, we have what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a special offer. You can get a risk-free $1,000 sports bet. All you have to do is download the WinBet app, use promo code 444, and you can claim your risk-free bet. Again, download the WinBet app, use the promo code 444 to to claim your risk-free bet. Matt let's go to the theory segment. One that, um, I, I, we were talking about this, uh, before the pod. This is, I think this is our most recurring segment. Um, it's the only one that I know I've done three years in a row. I, I usually try to come up with new segments every year. Um, one, it could just be hard to do it for 17 weeks, 18 this year, but also this one is just really important. Um, and one that people ask about all the time. And we actually got a, a question from a user in Discord, which we'll get to shortly. But the reason um, that I bring it, that I think it's worth revisiting every year is because I think it really is the single biggest edge in DFS. Everybody has access to player projections. Um, most people have access to some kind of decent lineup optimizer. So even And even your worst DFS players, people understand fantasy football, pretty well. Like they could, even the worst player can put together. It's probably a really bad lineup in DFS theory terms, but like they're not picking egregious players and and they're going to luck into some good scores. So I did a poll um, before we hopped on here. What's your approach to late swap on NFL DFS main slate? 21% 21% said they use it almost every week, 24% said they rarely or never use it, 49% said they should use it more often but they don't, 6% said they only use it for injuries. So, 80% of this this poll said they're not using late swap every week and that is from my Twitter followers. So like that's people that are mostly fantasy football oriented. Who am I kidding? All fantasy fantasy football oriented. No one's following me for anything else. And a lot of them are DFS centric. So like if it's 20% in that poll, the reality is probably less than 5% of the field is using late swap every week or even thinking about using late swap. So I think it is just a, a crazy edge. So first I'll, I'll throw the question at you, let you like short answer the question. Then we'll get into some of the specifics of late swap. So a couple weeks ago on our, um, on our cash game review, you briefly mentioned like you, you wish you would have left yourself some outs. You wish you would have had some more late, late swap guys. This is a cash game question. So we'll talk about cash games and GPPs, but I think it's interesting that our discord user framed it as a cash game question. So he asked Matt, can you expand on the concept of optionality of late swap from the cash game review show? So basically he said, should we be building cash lineups in favor of late players for late swaps and are you predetermining who your late swaps options are so like are you are you giving up expected value just to have late swap players uh
1: the short answer is no yeah how many times when you compare two players does it get to be a true toss up first of all ask yourself that question and be honest with yourself sometimes for me that answer in a week is hardly ever yes, mm-hmm. or, or or it's very rare. Other weeks, it feels like the projection is the same, the matchup's about the same, the opportunity is about the same, and so there's no way to discern one player from the next. You're basically, dare I say it, guessing from that yeah. point yeah. forward. If that's the case, then I'm probably leaning towards the later player, mm-hmm. because it gives me more options as I get to the late games when i have more information about what has occurred for my 1 p.m games now if i feel like i can discern a value difference i'm not really leaving that on the table for the most part but to answer your second part of that question are you predetermining who your late swap options are you bet i am yeah. even if it's just a rankings list just 10 players on a napkin mm-hmm. is better than not having any idea because the truth is we're all watching the games. We all have our setup. We're all seeing things happen. And we need to make our late swap options in the 3 p.m. Eastern hour where the players that we have in our lineups are currently scoring points. So we're even mm-hmm. working with incomplete information still. But the biggest thing we need to do is just have a predetermined process yep. so that we can quickly move, so that we can get this done in a, in a short amount of time because we're often doing cash and GPP late swap at the same time.
0: Yeah. I, I think at the, at the very bare minimum um, that you should have an idea of, and, and I mean, there are times where you're just going to do some mass late swaps. And in that case, like pretty much the whole field in the late windows going to be available to you, just depending on what you're trying to accomplish. And we'll, we'll get into the specifics of that. But at the very least, I I think most of the time when we're talking about like having options for, for late swaps, it's because you have, you're going to have a player that going to be very popular that you're going to probably swap off of because you're you're behind and trying to catch the field so you should have an idea of who that player is who the most popular player is and sometimes just who the most expensive player is and if it's going to be a straight one for one swap or if you're going to be swapping out more than one player so at the very minimum figure out who that player is, figure out if there's anybody else with them and see what salaries match up, right? Who are the players at the same salary? Obviously less, you can't swap to more unless you leave yourself salary on the table. Um, but who are the players at the same salary or salary combination that you're going to be swapping to? And usually that's pretty easy. Like you don't need a spreadsheet. Or you, usually you can just take them out of the lineup and see like, okay, who else fits in? You could click around a couple of times on, on Fanduel, draft and, and play with it. You don't even have to save um, the lineup, but, but to go back to uh, the discord question, like, are you should we be building lineups in, in favor of players for late swap um this kind of ties into something that we've talked a lot about on the cash game review show and not so much in here cuz we have limited times in the theory but my thoughts on ownership in cash games specifically 50-50s or double ups if there's a player that is going to be in 80% of lineups or 60-70% of lineups in cash games like if i feel like i like should i fade them should i be playing them a lot of times cuz they're expensive if a cooper cup's going to be an 80% of cash games like I'm just going to go with the field because if he hits and I don't have him, I'm screwed. And that's happened the last few weeks. Lineups without Cooper cup just haven't been able to hit. So it's like, he's going to be in every lineup. If he's in hundred percent lamps and he doesn't hit, why would I not play him? It's not a GPP. I'm not going for first. I'm going for, for uh 50 for just above 50th um, percent. So it's, it's kind of the same thing. Like, unless it is such a close situation, like you mentioned, I'm, I'm not like going to, to change my mind just because of the time slot we're, still looking for our best values but we are um but but we have do have it in the back of our mind and, and before we get into the specifics of how we use late swap and what it is like just the number one rule for not the one number one rule but like a 100 of the time rule always use your latest and most extensive player in your your flex spot just no matter who that is we don't know what's going to happen in the early window we don't even know if we're going to have to use late swap just do it it just if you don't want to be caught like with your pants down, so to speak, and just not be able to sweat up somebody I was gonna or say that's a or,
1: fundamental from season long fantasy where most of us are coming over from. And
0: man, I still, I, I'll see it in, in winning millionaire and Sunday million lineups where a play they won and their flex player was an early game. I'm like, you're so like literally so lucky if you had to make a swap and you needed to swap from wide receiver and running back and you couldn't because you didn't do that one little thing. And it potentially cost you a million dollars. I mean, I poof, get to hide the sharp objects because that is just like the worst spot to be in. But let's, let's get into the specifics of, um, late swap. Uh, what, what's the most, let, let's talk, um, Let's talk gpp because I, I i think it is the most common late swap scenario but we can get some cash if it just comes through naturally but what's the most um common scenario where you're looking to use late swap
1: well usually it's my 1 p.m players haven't played very well yeah that's yeah. really the simple the simple answer mm-hmm. is i have lineups in my pool of lineups that are dead in the water if i don't do anything and i want to start actually stop right there and say think about how freeing from a, from a whatever-you-can-do standpoint, that statement is. Your lineups are going to lose anyway. Yeah. So even if we are playing cash games, we get to just open up the field, open up our minds a little bit, and use our imaginations. Get weird with things is something that I often try to think about in this hour or as I'm creating my rankings for late swap. And you know, it, it's not as simple as this, but I really think my late swap options start by just going to the four for four lineup generator because you can sort by ceiling in one click or you can just yep. go to our floor and ceiling projections and then you can just sift out our afternoon games with one with one filter click. So from there, all of a sudden I have a list of players who in the back of my mind, regardless of salary, have the ability to break the slate. And I literally call my late swap yep. rankings slate breaker rankings because ultimately that is the type of score I need to find Mm -hmm. in the player pool from the afternoon when my one PMs don't hit.
0: So, so to be clear like this, so the the most common situation is you have um, you have the early slate, your early players just did horrible. Most likely you have a player that is chalky or at least somewhat chalky. So even if he goes off for 30 points, if half the field has, has him, you're not going to gain enough ground with your crappy lineup to cash in anything. Right. So you need to swap to not only a player that is like, if it's really bad, you probably need a sub 5% player, but also you need that player to have the the realistic ability to go off for 40 points. So like swapping to a KJ Osborne, even if he goes off for 20 points, you're probably not catching the field, right? You need to hopefully have enough salary to swap to like a, um, I don't, whoever the the mid tier players are, so like, if you're if you're doing a two v two swap, like at least give one of your players. Like I'd rather have go like a, a studs and nudge approach where you know I, I might have a KJ Osborne in that swap who might only give me ten or fifteen, but I I can get up to the player that at least has fifty point potential. Like at least give yourself some outs, right? Um, so I, I think that is the the most common scenario. Um, another scenario, which is a better spot to be in is when you have a chance to come in first place or or place very high in tournaments. So let's talk about the uh, the specifics of that. What does that look like when you're thinking about a late swap? Maybe you're like in, let's say you're in fourth place and you have one player left. What's going through your mind in that late swap scenario? What are you looking for? Well,
1: first of all, I want to know the other people around me and yeah. I want to know their lineups and their PMR, their mm-hmm. player minutes remaining. Like the back of my hand, I want to know it as well as I know my own lineups, because the difference in my PMR versus their PMR is going to dictate how contrarian or chalky I mm-hmm. want to be. Yes, and so there isn't always PMR specific- is for
0: for new listeners. PMR's player minutes remaining, and it'll show it really quickly on Fanduel or DraftKings. It'll show exactly if and so go ahead.
1: Yeah, no, and, and it's just a great one cumulative metric for how many plays you've got left versus yep. the uh, versus your opponent. It's really, really helpful. Yep. And in that case, I actually the general approach name I have for it, and again, this is just a silly label I have for it, is chalk plus weird approach. And so mm-hmm. uh, and that aligns aligns with studs and duds often. You're finding a chalky, yeah. high salary play, and then you're going to balance that with an off the wall gpp or uh, large field style play to get contrarian most often but it doesn't have to be that way it can yeah. often be a situation where you reverse it and there's a player who is fundamentally mispriced as we've said a couple times but in the wrong direction therefore creating a situation where they're not as popular that can be viable in that situation but to go back to answering your question the real thing you have to do in a, a situation where you're actually competing for first place is know what parts of your lineup are the exact same as your opponents mm-hmm. and just make sure you're different enough to take it down alone
0: yeah how, how can you explain how you can have a pretty good idea of like knowing if you have the exact players um say of the players ahead of you
1: yeah particularly in you know at, after the early games close you can get a really good idea if they have one or two players left you look at the salary mm. of that player left and you probably have like a one in two, one in three chance of guessing who yep. that exact player is. Yeah. So in that case, now you're being, you're, you're just trying to get leverage off that one player. And, you know, this is something that we talked about in our leverage episodes, a le- leverage episode a while back. But the easiest way to gain leverage on an opponent is to fade their chalky play. It's not the yep. only way to get leverage on an opponent. So we brought up Cooper Cup as a smash play a bunch this week. If you think you have Cooper Cup and your opponent has Cooper Cup, that doesn't mean universally, unilaterally get off Cooper Cup. Not by any means. It means that you're just going to have to do something different with a lower part of that salary tier simply because his salary is so high.
0: Yeah, so the 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 easiest example is you're in second place going into the afternoon games. You have, let's say Derrick Henry left. Let's say Derrick Henry costs $9,000. You look at the first place lineup ahead of you, you add up all of their players and they have $9,000 left. Most likely, especially if it's a running back slot, that player is going to be Derrick Henry, unless there's a running back that is say $8,900 in the same slot. If you, if it's a wide receiver, $7,700 say Mike Evans and that other player has a $7,700 wide receiver left. Even if there's a 7,300 Stefan Diggs, it's almost certainly going to be Mike Evans, not Stefan Diggs. There just aren't that many players leaving more than like 200 or even $300 of salary on the table. So you're definitely taking a risk, but you're, you it's a risk worth taking, especially when you're playing for that high buy. And now let's break this down a little bit more. What about let's say that's the easiest scenario. A lot of more likely you're probably gonna be a third or fourth, and you're gonna have to do some guessing. It's not always like for sure. Let's say you're in fourth place and you have a chance at first place. You also risk your you also risk swapping and tumbling down the leaderboard, letting other people catch you. So how do you how do you um, think about that?
1: Uh, there, if there was one right answer, I think we'd all be millionaires off DFS. But mm. ultimately, I think that it is a case by case basis. Yeah. One thing that I've been noticing this year too is that with the the afternoon games, we've had a lot of the league's best offenses in these afternoon games, and so we're getting a ton of highly or high expected ownership, high projection players in the afternoon games which is kind of a double-edged sword, right? Because you're getting these scores, these have-to-have-it scores, similar to like Cooper Cup. And you're also having these fantastic late swap options when you are trying to be contrarian in a situation like we're explaining. They're appealing enough. It it, fits, it checks enough of the boxes that you can do, that you can make a move. I think in general, it's just about staying with the value plays. We're not moving against the value metric of four for four, we're still staying on in line with things unless we need to make drastic changes when our one PMs have really gone under.
0: Yeah, I I think the two things you want to think about um if you're in that scenario is this this payout structure of your tournament, right? So if you're in a structure that's very flat, say you are sitting at um I don't say you're sitting at a thousand dollars and first place is five thousand dollars, you might if you fall down the leaderboard, the payouts so flat that you might drop to 500 bucks. Like if you're playing within your bankroll, you shouldn't really care that much. You should be going for first almost every time in that scenario. Cause you're not losing that much in a super top heavy payout structure. It, it I think it's going to depend on your risk tolerance and where you're at in the tournament. If it's something say second place is $50,000 first place is a hundred thousand dollars, but then 10th place you go down to like $1,000 and you're sitting in second place you really have to figure out how much does that extra $50,000 mean to you because you might gain $50,000 just as easily as you lose $49,000. So that I think is the hardest decision. If you're sitting at the at the 10th place and you're sitting at $1,000, who cares if you tumble down? Like you're going for that 100,000. But if you're sitting at that $50,000, that's the hardest decision point I think. Now, something like the millionaire, I think you got to go for it. But if it's another if it's a smaller top heavy tournament, but like you know, you're, you're in that 50 to hundred K range. I I think the decision is a lot closer and I think you probably have to start texting people really, really fast and figuring out what the move is there. Um, Let's talk about using late swap for a leverage opportunity. Um, And this is one that we saw come up last week with Foster Moreau. When you had uh, Darren Waller, we thought he might be out, but we weren't sure. How can you use that information to your advantage?
1: Yeah, I think the situation, especially with like Foster Moreau, is he just becomes an option, but at the mm-hmm. same time, I don't have to go there. So right. uh, those, are, those are actually ideal situations because Foster Moreau can be, in that label I've chose. he can be my weird play, yes. but if I need to go away from it or if I find that I, or I think it's, it's going to be a chalky play all of a sudden, then obviously the situation changes a little bit. For the most part, my general rule, especially, this is just a general DFS rule, is when a low salary, low probability play becomes popular, that is a time to move away from the field. I don't always make that call. But in general, I want to be with the field when it's a great play in a great situation. Uh, If it's not that, then I'm probably looking elsewhere.
0: Yeah, I will. So, so last week, what we had basically was late Saturday night, early Sunday morning, we got question of if whether or not Darren Waller was going to be active. They weren't playing until the late window. So you could build with Moreau, who was all the way down at 2,500 on DraftKings. I think um, Waller was in his 6,000 range or whatever it was. But the problem was like, if he's active, what do you do? So in those scenarios, here's what we know for sure. Waller and Moreau are probably both going to be super low on because most people aren't even going to think about taking on the injury risk. So I think it is insanely valuable to lean into these situations. The thing is you need to think about, especially when it's going to be pivoting to like a a men's salary or near men's salary player. This is where I would prioritize, even if it's not my perfect lineup a second player in the late window because I think those are the scenarios where you have to have at least a 2v2 because if you have a $2,500 Foster Moreau and then Darren Waller plays, now you're screwed. Now who do you pivot to? Someone that's going to play two snaps. So in those situations, I think you need to have a 2v2, maybe even a 3v3 ready to go in case Waller is active. So I would I would build my lineup with Moreau knowing I'm going to get him at like 2% like he was last week but have a contingency plan in place. So, But that is a – Crazy leverage opportunity because you're going to get a men's salary starting player that's probably going to be in less than five percent of lineups, and it's very rare to be able to get that. And again, that's specific to injury waiting for injury news on the late window. Um, yeah, I
1: think in general, yeah. too, like just adding to that part of optionality when we talk about that exact word, part of optionality is having enough salary to have options. And mm-hmm. so, Foster Moreau's men's salary looks fantastic. Until you have to move from it, as you said, because you have no other options. Adding just another, a singular other player then gives you enough salary. Especially if it's a high salary player, then all of a sudden the total amount of salary available to you, and therefore the options, goes way up.
0: Yeah. Yeah let let's move on to a couple quick notes on cash games. If you're playing 50 fifties or double ups, like the concepts are exactly like what we talked about here. You're basically swapping to try to hit the cash line. So if you're, if you're screwed, it's very easy. Just get off your chalk player. What about head to heads? How are you going about? Like if you're playing, let's say you max enter $1 through $5 head to heads on DraftKings. you have 200 um, head to heads going. How are, are you going through one by one on your head to heads? Or like, what is your approach there?
1: i mean i won't lie like i'm that person like it's going hard. through I'm, so, i mean time's an
0: app. issue yeah you but are doing
1: I, it i mean not formally but yeah. informally i'm just staring at all my head to heads in the early, especially i'm on the east coast especially as i round the corner 2:50 p.m 3 yeah. p.m i'm just naturally in my phones looking at in my phone looking at my scores anyway yeah. and so i do start to get an idea i guess i'll put it this way i want an idea of what the general cash game lineups look like for instance last week's a great example because i played derrick henry and then i noticed a significant amount of the field wasn't playing derrick henry yeah. i had already differentiated my lineup in a way that i felt like okay if i do late swap which i did i don't need to go so far down my list and i ended up on godwin and the buccaneers defense not something i typically do wide receiver and a defense and a cash lineup it doesn't work as well as it did last week, but ultimately, that that that's the way I'm thinking about things. If yeah. I differentiated already, then I can make different late swap options. But ultimately, it's the same thing. I'm just trying to I'm trying to see how get the gist of the field and swap enough to be different from them as mm-hmm. needed based on my 1 p.m.s.
0: Yeah, the, I think the hardest head-to-head scenario is when you have like the a 50th percentile ish lineup because if you're if your team's going off, you can just look for the couple teams that you're losing to and, and see if there's uh, any late swap scenario and just look at PMR. If they have less uh, more more PMR than you, um, th- then you can look for late swaps if you're already losing. If you're getting smoked and you're like having like a 10th percentile week, you can just do a universal late swap in cash. You don't even need to look at it like whatever. You might give up a little bit equity in, in 10 lineups, but you can win your other 150 um, if if your swap goes um, goes right. The tough part is if you're like in that 50th percentile because you're beating some teams, you're losing to some teams. Do I? You can't universal late swap because if it goes bad, now all of your games you're winning, you lose. So in that scenario, what I do is I go to the games I'm losing, go to the line ups where I'm losing, have the biggest gap and start with the biggest gap in PMR. So I'm losing in PMR and I'm losing, um, in, in points, I'll start swapping those. Just start swap, swap, swap as much as I can. Obviously time is an issue. And then if I have time, I'll start looking at the ones that are closer. What's PMR look like? Click those real quick. Is it the same number of players? All right, I'll do a couple swaps. Like you can't, there's Mm -hmm. you in those scenarios, like it's not going to be perfect, but like, you're just trying to give yourself the most outs as possible. And obviously time's going to be an issue. You're not going to get to all of them if you're playing a ton of head to heads. But like, I think that's a, a pretty quick way um, to, to do it. One last late swap question. And one that I don't think a lot of people talk about, because they talk about, what we just talked about what if you're leading, what if you're in first place in a GPP and you, let's say you had eight out of your nine players were in the early slate. Your only player left is a contrarian player. If there's a chalky player left and it is a um, very popular, similar salary, if you're winning, how do you feel about switching off your somewhat contrarian player to the chalky player and hopefully hold your place?
1: If you've already done something different in your lineup, so different in fact, that you're in first place that you're winning, then Go with the wisdom of the crowd. Yeah, yeah if I that think, feels better than saying, the "Play the chalk." Go with the wisdom of the crowd. The yeah. crowd knows what they're doing in this in this field, and yep. so in that case, you're playing the chalk.
0: Yeah, there there is a little bit of metagame. Like, if you go if the PMR super close, the points are close and you have a second and a third place, you reverse engineer, and they have the same player. Then there's a little bit of, I know he's going to swap. What do I do? Like that is like pretty close, but what you're looking, I think if, if your PMR, if there's nobody like, if, if say you have um, one game left, if somebody has like, 240 pmr right behind you maybe you make a switch but as long as like they're pretty close i think the move in that scenario you're in first place you got a somewhat contrarian player and not the super chalky play like it was this happened to me with cream hunt a couple of weeks ago like i didn't have enough salary to actually get to him so it didn't matter but i had to think about it like you're in first place, you don't have the chalky player left, but you have salary to get to the chalky player. And there aren't players that are like blowing you out in PMR within like whatever um, that are in shooting distance. I think you just swap to the, to the chalk guy there. I think that's the move.
1: Yep. I, I really got nothing to add because that's yep. what I would do in most every situation.
0: Yep. Um, All right. That pretty much wraps it up for the week eight podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube, please check out our podcast DFS MVP. If you're listening on the podcast, please come check out our YouTube for football. Please rate and review on iTunes. If you're listening, please like and subscribe on YouTube. If you are watching, remember. This week through Sunday, DFS uh, subscription is available for just $24, our Halloween sale. So that's about as cheap as you are going to get it. Uh, Go to pricepicks, 444.com slash pricepicks to get access to a DFS sub for as little as $10. Check out our other DFS shows, Cash Game Review, every Monday morning on YouTube at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Yahoo DFS with Matt Harmon, Saturday's DFS MVP feed and the Yahoo feed, DFS GPP Last Look every Sunday morning with Jordan Vanek, 8 a.m. Pacific time, 11 a.m. Eastern time. That is on our subscriber-only Discord. Get signed up right below on the YouTube. There's a link down there for you. Follow us on Twitter. 444 is at 444Football. Matt is at Draftaholic. I am at TJ Hernandez. We will talk to you on Monday.